Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our current self-titled series, we're looking at what it means to answer the call to be a disciple maker of disciple makers. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Didi Bacon. We are unashamedly proclaiming the truth that through faith in Jesus, our status is changed when it comes to our relationship with God. We are now made children of God through faith. We're saved by grace. Think about that. We can be his children. We can be part of his family. And in being part of his family, he invites us to be participants in the family business. Grace means that not only are we saved, but we're also called to be agents of salvation. In other words, we're called to share grace with others. We become conduits of grace, God's goodness in us. His gifting to us allows us to participate as his children in the family business of loving God and loving people. At this moment, we're going to invite you to take action in giving. I'm going to ask that you would just take a moment right now to begin to prepare a gift. Maybe your gift is a monetary gift. Maybe you are going to share of what God has blessed you with to use to bless others through the ministry of Mount Carmel. Maybe your gift is filling out the prayer or praise card found in the bulletin, and you'll write that out, and what will happen to that is we promise we will take note of your prayer, we will take note of your praise, and we will pass that on to our elders and our staff and our members of our prayer team, and we in faith will pray with you, we will give praise with you during this week because you gave the gift of a prayer need or a praise Maybe your gift this time will be something that you notice in the card, in the bulletin, an opportunity to serve, and that has stirred something in your heart, and you say, you know what, I believe I can do that. I believe God is prompting me to do that. And, and you say, yes, I can serve. And what we will do is we will take your note of, of your sign-up, and we will get hold of you, and we will help equip you so that you might be released to the calling that you feel God is putting on your heart. Maybe your gift will be just simply to let us know you're here. A lot of faces and a lot of names would love to know that you're here. So just put your name on the card. And if you want to say, I'm here, Didi, smiley face, or maybe grumpy face, I don't know. It's a smiley face. Go with smiley face. <laughs> that will be great. That will be great. So our friends are coming to come down. We're going to start passing the offering to collect up your gifts. We are gifted so that we might serve. This is putting that truth to action, and we're going to stop passing the offering right now. God gifts us to serve. I don't know if you've noticed this. I've seen a number of articles recently in the last couple of years talking about the value of chores. A lot of parents are going to be happy with me right now. Value of chores in developing self-esteem in children. In other words, there's a strong correlation by, in giving your children age-appropriate chores around the house and developing their self-esteem, developing a positive view of themselves, developing their sense of competence and capability. I talk to business folks, and they often tell me about 
their struggle dealing with individuals coming into the workforce. And one thing they say is that, you know, we're dealing with a workforce that's well-trained. They're educated. They know how to work the machine. They know how to push the buttons. They know all the things they're supposed to know and how to do it. They have the degrees. They have the qualifications. What they lack is something they call soft skills. You ever heard of soft skills? You know what soft skills are? Soft skills are showing up on time. Soft skill is doing what you say you will do and fulfill your commitment. A soft skill is dressing appropriately for the occasion. A soft skill is looking someone in the eye and shaking their hand firmly and communicating with confidence. And where are soft skills developed? Well, soft skills are developed in the home. And the training ground for soft skills in the development of individuals is doing chores. Doing chores. You know, my wife Shannon was uh, really better at this than I was. Um, she realized that our kids have it so easy, and part of their training in life was that they had to do chores. And so she developed this list of chores that she gave to them pretty early on. She taught them how to do their laundry, even my boys. I mean, when they were like 11 and 12, people used to say, Oh, your mom's going to be washing your pants and you get them dirty. And they're like, No, 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 we're going to be washing our own pants. That's how it works in my family, right? They were taught how to clean their rooms. They were taught how to clean the bathroom on a schedule. And, of course, it was always fun to see the arguments about who didn't do what and the negotiation that occurred after that. That was pleased me. They had to take out the trash and put away the dishes. And the one that I loved to watch the most was my kids were required. Uh, they would work in pairs. I got two boys, two girls, but they work in pairs, and they switch off on which one would do uh, various parts of this chore, but they were required to go around the, the yard, to go around the back garden, and to pick up dog doo-doo. <laughs> pick up penny deposits. <laughs> and it was always fun, because one, one was the plastic bag holder, and the other one was the uh, scooper, and, you know, whoever was what, did what, you know, they would negotiate, and they hated that job. They hated that job, but that job was good for them. Why was that good for them? Well, two things. One, it was a job they needed to do because we asked them to do it, and they made a contribution to the family. We entrusted them with something that was not nice, not fun, and in that, guess what? They grew in confidence. Hey, I can do hard things. And you know what? There are times I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I could be able to be entrusted to figure out how to get through the gross because you know what? In life... And in the job you might do, you might be asked to do something that's kind of hard and difficult, smelly or dirty. And chores develop the confidence for them to be able to prepare for that. See, chores allow our kids to know that they can deal with life's challenges through grit, creativity, and discipline. I came across this video, I think, that captures it. It was a video that was entitled, it was a speech that was entitled, uh, How to Make a Difference in the World. How to about, it was about changing the world. And the speech came from then the man who was in charge of the Navy SEAL program. It's a man named Admiral William R. McRaven. Gave the commencement speech at University of Texas at Austin about changing the world. And his very first thing that he said that we need to do, that individuals need to know, these young people need to know about how to change the world. The very first thing was one of the most basic chores we teach our kids, how to make your bed. All over the internet, some of you may see it, but let's, let's enjoy this right now. 
to change the world, start off by making your bed. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another, and another. And by the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made. That you made. And a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. Amen. Navy. Yeah. So what did I learn at church today? Well, we've got to go make a bed first. So making your kids do chores develops self-esteem. Now, here's something else. Where does this principle come from? I'm, I'm a firm believer that truths that are manifest in the family, trainings that are manifest in the family, actually find their origins in heaven. And this is something I've discovered in my study of Scripture. Just follow with me on this, okay? The good news of the Bible, the good news of Jesus is that we can be made right with God through, by grace, through faith, at baptism for good works. That's what we teach. And the message that we get from the letter that captures this gospel message best is the, is the book of Romans. The summary of that letter is this. It says, every single one of us have no excuse when it comes to our accountability to God for what we've done, because all of us are born into a world, we could say, that's run by the law of fair, the rule of law, right? The rule of law goes like this. If you keep the commandments, then you will escape the penalty of being a lawbreaker. Now, of course, we're talking in terms of the economy of God, the, the rules of right and wrong, the moral laws, the things that God has established in the world. If you keep the commandments, you can then... Is, be assured that you don't have to worry about facing the penalty of being a lawbreaker. But if you break the law of God, you qualify to face the penalty due for being a lawbreaker. Now, that's fair, right? If I keep the law, I'll escape the penalty. If I break the law, I suffer the penalty. I get it. And the Bible says is that the penalty for breaking the law of God is what? It says it's death. It's eternal separation. It's the rece receiving of God's wrath because that is also fair. But the good news is, is that while this way is closed for all of us because the Bible says that every single one of us are lawbreakers, every single one of us, no one has kept the law perfectly. All of us fail in following this principle perfectly. And therefore, we are all lawbreakers deserving the penalty. The good news is that God has made another way through love, through his great act of love, this reckless love that we just talked about. God sent his son into the world, and he provided another way that was motivated by love. And the way that was open is what we call the way of grace. And the way of grace works like this. It says, for those who broke the law, they escaped the penalty. Why? Because one, his name is Jesus, who didn't break the law, suffered the penalty for us. You say, that's not fair. You're right. It's not. It's grace. 
And the Bible teaches there in, in Romans, it says, we can access this great gift of grace, being made right with God because of what Jesus has done through faith, through belief, through accepting the truth that Jesus came into the world. He suffered and died. He rose again on the third day. And, and he gives us everything that he promises. And one of the things that he promises is the gift of his spirit, God's presence in our life, which tells us this. That not only are we made children of God, but God brings us into his family. We go from enemies of God, the Bible says, to becoming children of God. We go from people who are on the outside deserving the punishment due for us to people who are now part of the inside of God's kingdom, receiving the inheritance promised to those who belong to God. And so we are the recipients of grace. We're brought into his family. But here's something else. Not only do we become recipients of God's grace, members of God's family, he includes us in his family business. In other words, Jesus gives us chores. Empowering us by his presence in the form of his spirit to participate in the family business. Why? So that we might grow up. What does chores do? Chores help you mature and grow up and develop into the person that's capable and competent and, and confident and able. God gives us chores. Those chores in the economy of God's kingdom is what we call ministry. Is what we call the exercise of service to bless others. Now, all this is the message of Romans, and in Romans chapter 12, he actually comes into this conversation about how God has gifted us to do ministry in the church. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, I'm reading from the New International Version, starting at verse 3. It says this. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Now, the word grace here is synonymous to ministry. This is how Paul is using this word. He's saying, for by the ministry given to me, by the calling I've received and I am now participating in, I say to every one of you. And that calling for Paul was to be an apostle, to be the messenger of good news to those who were primarily non-Jewish. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, that's the church, those are the members of the, of the family of God, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others." We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, in your bulletins, there's some fill-in-the-blanks for you. Some of you folks love fill-in-the-blanks, so here we go. Today's Christmas, will you? All right. I read through this passage of Scripture, and really, as I read through, I see three things that are being communicated, three things that, that Romans 12, 3 through 8 tells me. The first thing is that if I want to be able to discover my God chore, if I want to be able to discover my Holy Spirit assignment in the family business of God, loving God, loving people, the first thing that is required is that I have to be humble. 
Be humble. It says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather of yourself with sober judgment. Sober judgment means having an accurate perception of who you are. Not overinflated, not underinflated. With sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Humility is having a truthful view of yourself. It's, it's not believing the lie that you're too good for certain acts of service. Or you're not good enough for certain acts of service. If it comes to you that you're required and asked by, through a ministry opportunity to do something that you believe is behind the scenes and you believe is easy or you believe is like, eh, really, is that what you want me to do? And you think, I'm better than this, then you're not being humble. That's not called sober judgment. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, he says. Now, the flip side of that is that if you're asked to do something from God that overwhelms you and you're like, I have no clue how I'm going to do this. I have no clue why God is prompting me to do this. I'm totally scared. I'm not going to do it because I can't do it because I'm not good enough. I don't have what I need. Well, that is the same thing. Because the Bible says that if God calls you to it, he will provide the gifting for you to achieve it. What humility says is that I will do whatever God asks me to do. However, if I pursue, Lord, help me find a place to serve, whatever that answer to that prayer is, I will be willing to step into it, trusting God will empower me, trusting God will provide what I need, and trusting in the process that he has called me to that ministry because that is my God assignment for today. Humility. The second thing for me to be available for my calling is that I have to be committed to teamwork. Teamwork. That means it's not just about me and primarily anything involving church work. It needs to be about we. For just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. In other words, in church we all belong to each other. There is no hierarchy of servants. Now, we are always categorizing people in everything we do. We're trying to figure out where they are and the status ladders that we create. And we do this in church. You know, we think, well, the preacher dude is, is higher than the, the communion server dude and, or dudette. Uh, or, you know, the person that, the person that greets is, is, is not as high as the person that teaches children, blah, blah. We, we think of those terms in terms of those values. And, and Paul says, forget about that. Everyone is vital to the community of the church and everyone is on the same level. All of us need to follow what Jesus said and said the greatest we the one who's willing to wash feet of his brothers and sisters in Christ. The greatest is the servant. The greatest is one who doesn't look at hierarchy of service but instead says, Lord, wherever you call me, I will serve and I will invite others. I will cooperate with others. I will see it as a we thing and not a me thing. In the church, we belong to each other. We, we need each other. And if one part doesn't do its job, then the church suffers. Now, I get it. Parents, I know it's easier to wash the dishes by yourself. It's easier to do the, the household chores by yourself. It's a pain sometimes to invite little Johnny to join you, right? They make a mess. They don't do it right. They drop things. They break things. They take longer than it should because we've got a schedule to follow. It's, it's a pain. It's, it's, a, it's, it's hard. But guess what? 
if we truly love our children and if we're truly aware of the fact that chores help them grow and if we're invested in this doing it together thing as a family, then we're going to invite them in to do the chores. Well, it's the same with the church. We're called to be engaged in the work, bringing others into the work with us. We are many, we're different, but we belong to each other and we have one mission. Which brings me to the third thing that Scripture tells me. It says, be faithful in your God assignment. Be faithful in your God assignment. What's required here for the activation of a spiritual gift isn't praying harder, isn't having an emotional experience, isn't being slain or slayed or laid down. No, receiving a spiritual gift, according to what Scripture tells us, is simply being respond, be responding to the call to serve. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. It is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. God gives the gift according to the grace given to each of us. In other words, God is looking at his family and saying, which I, have, I, I need this person to, to do this. I'm, I'm calling you to do this. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to do this as part of the whole, realizing I need you to be humble, realizing I need you to be committed to doing a we thing, and realizing I, I just want you to say yes, and when you say yes, I will give you what you need. That's called a spiritual gift, a supernatural empowerment to fulfill the ministry calling that God has placed in you. And that takes many forms, and that takes different different iterations and, and occasions and, and changes over season. But the bottom line is, is that availability and faithfulness is what activates the gift. Now, he lists a number of the church callings here, the, the, the callings of the Spirit here. He says, prophecy, what's prophecy? Well, pro people get tied up with prophecy talking about predicting the future. Really, the, the meaning of prophecy is speaking the Word of God. Prophecy is simply the ability to speak or preach the Word of God. It says if you're going to call to speak the Word of God in an environment where others will hear it, teach them the Bible in a manner that they will hear it, then, then do it according to your faith. Serving is ability to see a need and to take action to take care of it. Teaching has to do with being able to help others understand and apply the, to life the truths of God's Word. Encouraging is the ability to inspire others when they're down to stay faithful. Giving is the ability to share physical resources to help others. We don't often include that one as a spiritual gift, do we? <laughs> but it is. Leadership is the ability to move others to a God-changed future. Mercy is the ability to connect with others in pain in such a way that it relieves the hurt and brings healing. In every one of these ministries, God's Spirit provides the ability to achieve, but we have to be cooperative with His prompting by being faithful to that calling. To act in, in, on our faith as a response to the calling and being committed to the work. Now, I'm going to give you a real-life example of one of our members of our church family who's put these three things into practice in her life. Sarah Schreyer leads our elementary children in their worship and music time. And uh, Sarah humbly accepted the call she is a team player in that she not only so, doesn't see it just as her thing, she sees it as a we thing, and she's constantly inviting the kids and other adults to participate in her in that ministry. 
And she's been faithful to pursue. And guess what? The church, the ministry, has been blessed by the gift God has given her in her obedience. The church has been blessed. Your children have been blessed because of the activation of the gift through her faithfulness. Let's take a moment to, to listen to Sarah Schreyer's testimony. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I love when kids get it. Growing up, I went to a church that did VBS every year, and it was awesome. It was absolutely a blast. I became an adult, and started. we started coming here. Maggie Hahn invited me to VBS, and she said, because we had taken a couple of Zumba classes together, and she said, I can see that you love to dance. I think you would be awesome on the worship team for Vacation Bible School. And I said, where's the sign up? Can, can, when can I do it? Can I help you? I, I would love to. Shannon came up to me afterwards and said, I need you on worship team on Sunday mornings. I said, what do you mean they do this on Sunday mornings? I'm like, they do this on Sunday mornings with motions and dancing. And I said, I didn't know you could do that at church. The people on the worship team here in Kid City are absolutely a joy to work with. The kids are absolutely incredible. I get to be the person that they come and talk to when they're losing their tooth, their first tooth ever, and they get to tell me. Um, I get to be the person that's not a family member, but can love on them like a family member can. I think that you can be very influential on other people's children, even if you don't have children of your own. Be able to take the time to get to know them. Be like a constant, consistent person for them. Maybe they'll want to give back to Kids City too. Maybe they'll want to be on the worship team and dance and be fun. It's incredible. Like this past Sunday, I had the kids screaming a song, Jesus is alive right now. And they were screaming it back at me. And I'm like, Tell, make me believe that Jesus is alive right now, because he is. And they, they were screaming it. And it's like, okay, this is why we do what we do, why we are with the kids. They're so life-giving. They really do digest it more than we think that they do. Like they really are listening and they really are worshiping and they really are paying attention. When you see a kid actually get it and actually worship and you realize how simple loving Jesus actually is, they love coming here. And I feel like if I can play a part in them loving to come here, then it's, it's that's everything. I wouldn't want to spend my Sundays any different way. I'm Sarah, and that is why I love watching kids get it. So we've posted the full version of Sarah's testimony, along with actually other video testimonies of family members in our church on our Facebook page. If you go out there, check it out. If you don't have Facebook, some, you know someone who does, right? So go and uh, check them out. They're really powerful. Um, encourage you to do that. Also, encourage you to realize that um, Sarah's heart is the heartbeat of a lot of what we do next door. And right now we have plenty of opportunity, plenty of opportunity for folks to step up and be part of that in various ways and various jobs in our children's ministry, particularly within the summer schedule that we're going into. If that stirred something in you, let us know. 
we'll get in touch with you. Fill out a card. If the card's already gone, grab another one and put it in the box. Give it to the person at the information center. God's called you to serve. Kids need chores. Kids need chores in order to, to grow into mature, loving adults. We know chores in the family boosts self-esteem. And what's true of our families on earth finds its origins in heaven. And in the family of God, we're called to be members of God's family and invited to participate him in, with him in the family business. The question is, the question is, are you open to it? Are you open to it? See, that's why he gives us gifts, and those gifts are activated. Those gifts are activated in our obedience to that calling. But he begins with an openness, an openness, a seeking, a willingness. That's what 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says. Will, will you read this with me? Let's just read this together. This is, this is his conversation again, Paul, 1 Corinthians, about spiritual gifts in the church. This is what he says. He says, now, read with me. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That was awful. Let's do it again. <laughs> Ready? Do it with me. I'll, I'm, I'll try to be American accent then. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one, he's writing to the church, Specifically, he's writing to the church in Corinth, but by application, as we read this, he's writing to you and me who are members of God's family. If we've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and are participants in a local congregation, he's writing to each one of us. He says, to each one, that's you and me, every Jesus follower, every disciple, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Manifestation means what? The show, the, the demonstration of presence, the activation of God working in our life. The manifestation of the Spirit is given. He's referring to spiritual gifts. He's referring to those actions that you take that are obviously powered by a supernatural power given to you by God in order to achieve things that make a difference for God. And he says, why are you given these gifts? What? What's the purpose? What's the reason? For the common good. Not the benefit of myself, not to, to show everyone how spiritual I am, not to, to, to give an accounting of God working in my life so that everyone can know that I'm truly saved. No, he says your spiritual gift is given to you so that you might bless another. Word, another. In other words, you're gifted to serve. And that gifting is activated when you say yes to the chore of the family of God. And those ministry opportunities may include handing out bulletins or singing worship songs up front or praying for those on the prayer list or rebuilding houses in July in, in Houston or giving counsel to a friend or learning how to teach your own child to pray with the assistance of the ministry of the church. Whatever it is, when you serve by the power of God, it's for the benefit of others. God gifts us to serve. 
Everyone wants to see God working in their life. I don't know any believer that comes into faith, reads the scripture and says, well, that's it, I'm done, I'm just sitting here. No, they have this expectation that their prayers will be powerful. They have this expectation that their life will be transformed. They have this expectation that what is broken will be healed, what is, is, is infected will be, will be cured, what is, what is, what is troubling will be, will be lifted. They have this expectation that they will be able to, to really fulfill a purpose and make a difference in their life. Everyone has these expectations. But many times what we, don't, what we want to do is we want these expectations somehow to be zapped on us, automatically given to us as we just sit there and we walk around. Now, that's not how it works. God's plan A for your life is for you to grow up in the family of God. And how do you grow up? You grow up by saying yes to the God assignments He provides, your chores, if you'd like, so that you grow up as we learn from the admiral, learn up with the small things so that you might be see God activating and working your life to maybe do some big things. God wants you and He knows everything about you. He knows your, your strengths, your weaknesses, and He knows what you need to be able to be a fully engaged, grown-up member of the family. What He asks you to be by His Word is to be humble, to be committed to teamwork, and to be faithful in the God assignment you receive, whether it's something you think is beneath you or something that's totally above you, but the assignment that you receive to be faithful. See, God gives us to serve. I'm going to ask that we stand right now. I'm going to ask our guys that come forward to be available to pray with you in person to come forward. I'm going to ask that you would just uh, receive a blessing. If you have a prayer need that you'd like for us to pray on, we're available. If you have a decision to make regarding your uh, status in Christ, let them know and we can facilitate a, the next steps for you. But right now, let's just pray together. Lord, I just thank you for this time that we've been able to share. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. I'm more and more becoming aware of the commission that Jesus gave his disciples. He said, go into all the world, go into the world and make disciples, make other Jesus followers. And the process you do that is introduce them to the truth and their baptism and and the means in which they grow up is through the teaching so that they too might become Jesus followers who are making disciples. Lord, that commission is the family business that we're all called into if we are believers. So I pray that you would help us recognize that, to understand that, and we're willing to do our part. And our part may change over the years. Our part may be different as we grow. Our part may be something simple as, as, as a season of our life where we have to just invest in our children. Our part may be that we're doing something in the church ministry and leading an initiative. I don't know what it is, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to be open to that, to do our chores in the family of God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.